are listening to First Church Charlotte. Come on, let's give that hand clap of praise to the Lord, everybody. Everybody, praise the Lord today. Somebody clap your hands like he's wonderful. Clap your hands like he's great and greatly to be praised. The Bible puts it like this, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Come on, did he wake you up this morning? He's a good God. Our God is great and he's greatly to be praised. And I am so delighted to be back at this wonderful church. Thank you, First Church, for who you are and what you do. Um, one of my favorite places to be, one of my favorite churches to be a part of. I know we're on social media land and I'm not supposed to say that. Oh well. Um, you guys rock. You guys are amazing. And I thank God for uh, this great uh, ministry and this amazing team of um, those that serve you and love you and that of the leadership of this great church, Bishop and Mother Elms, Pastor Nathan, Sister Charla, uh, amazing uh, family, and uh, to Pastor and Sister Dixon. Um, the list goes on for the ministry team, uh, Sister Valeria, who leads the student ministry. You guys are just blessed with first-class, top-notch leadership. Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be with you all this weekend. Thank you for reminding me that I'm still young, uh, having been in a youth weekend in a very long time, and my muscles are feeling it. So please remember uh, my name as you talk to the Father this week. Put my name on the prayer list, but I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. A little bit of icy hot, I'm going to make it. There's, I'm going to make it. So we had a great weekend being with the students from Friday night all day Saturday. Uh, what God did uh, earlier today in the 915 service and what he's going to do in this service. I feel God's presence. I feel God is up to something supernatural and special. And uh, he's going to bless us. I don't take lightly uh, the opportunity uh, and my assignment, knowing that your leadership is a way we miss them, we love them, and we honor them. And um, I know it's it's a it's a it's a big deal when you're not home and you can uh, allow a, a visiting guest preacher to come and um, and preach the word of the Lord. So many pastors do not do that, but I'm glad Pastor Nathan is my friend. He trusts me, and he's probably watching me right now. <laughs> Big shout out to you, big bro. I love you. Amen. Would you give God praise for your pastor one more time and his family? Let's stand together. We're going to go into the word of the Lord. I invite your attention to the gospel of Mark chapter 8. And we'll read verses 22 through 25 again. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you all this weekend. I do have a flight to catch later on this evening to fly back home. So um, it was a joy to be with you all. And uh, if you don't get tired of me, I'll just come back. Right. Yeah, I'll invite myself back. Yeah. <laughs> Mark eight twenty-two through 25. Here's what the scripture says. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. When he had spit on his eyes, only Jesus can get away with that. Yeah, only, only Jesus can get away with that, yeah. Yeah, he's still working on me. It just, let somebody spit on your eyes. 
and then have the audacity to say, what do you see? Now, you don't understand, I'm from New York, you don't, you, you don't understand the situation. You don't spin in my face and ask me, what do I see? That, <laughs> what do you see? He says, I, I see men like trees walking. In verse 25, he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. In other words, it was like Jesus saying, you ain't seen right. I know I spat on your eyes, but, but, but you ain't seeing. You're not seeing right. And he put his hands on his eyes again. Here's what the Message Bible says about in, regarding verse 25. So Jesus laid his, his hands on his eyes again, and the man looked hard and realized that he had recovered perfect sight. Saw everything in bright 2020 focus. It's a cool, it's a cool version. 2020 focus. Let's be honest, sometimes we find ourselves in life where we're not seeing clearly. We don't see right, and Jesus loves us so much that we find ourselves in his presence, and what an amazing worship experience. Thank you, praise team and band for leading us in worship. And he's there to touch us again when we don't see clearly. Financial problems, marital problems, health problems, whatever it is, we, we all find ourselves at the place with the relationship with Christ that we have, with the faith that we have, and we pray and we read his word, but we're human and we go through things. And sometimes we just don't see as God intends for us to see, but he doesn't leave us in that state. He puts his hands on us again he touches us again so that we can see as he wants us to see i want to talk to you this for the next few moments a simple message today i can see clearly now don't don't sing it don't sing it i, I felt you i felt your spirit don't stay with jesus don't don't stay saved we, we're He's going to talk to us today. Look, look at somebody standing next to you. Tell him, I can see clearly now. I, I can see clearly now. Yeah. Somebody's still singing it. I, I feel your spirit. I, God's, going to God's going to have to touch you again. Dude. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we feel in this second service. Thank you for this amazing church, this amazing ministry, this team of leaders that serve and love people. Would you bless us, oh God, as we... Go into your word, anoint our hearts and minds. Grant us eyes to see, ears to hear what you have for us today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Thank you for standing. You may have your seats. I, I believe that life, life is a journey that we all must travel. It's filled with, it's filled with lessons. It's filled with hardships. It's filled with pain, heartaches. We just uh, were, was informed about uh, the recent uh, tragedies that took place in this church by way of the 
the loss of, of a car, uh, from a car accident, two, two individuals in uh, just a few months. And so no doubt uh, the church is mourning, uh, family members are, uh, are feeling the pain. And, um, and there could be some under the sound of my voice perhaps watching online that may relate because they have felt or they are feeling some type of pain and loss because life is filled with lessons. It's filled with hardships, but life also it's filled with joys and celebrations and, and special moments that will ultimately lead us to our destination and cause us to fulfill our purpose in life. I believe it is the pressure that provokes your potential so that you can fulfill what God has designed for your life. However, along the way, we will face some situations that will not destroy us if we know why they were designed, but rather position a God to move on our behalf through our faith, trust, and obedience in him. Understanding just a little background about uh, blindness, it was a very common problem in Palestine. Generally, one who was blind was never healed. In the city of Lydda, the saying was that everyone was either blind or only had one eye. In Jaffa, there were 500 blind people out of a population of 5,000. And while Leviticus 19 establishes that God's people were to care for those who were blind, there was also a cultural and religious stigma against blindness. And we see this especially in the account of another man who was healed of his blindness in John chapter 9. There as Jesus and the disciples are walking and the disciples, uh, they ask Jesus a question in verse 2. Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And so there is a sense in which those who are blind deserve their blindness. And many people thought that this disease was a consequence of sin either by the individual himself or because of something that the parents did. And as a result, blind people were often ignored or even criticized. This is really a word picture for you and I in regards to our spiritual condition because as we jump into the New Testament, Paul begins to pen the words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of those that are, that are unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. You see, we are spiritually blind, and there's nothing that we can do to change that on our own. And Jesus gives sight to those not only who are physically blind, but he grants spiritual insight to those who are in moral darkness. I think it's really in order to give God a praise in this second service, understanding the story and where we're going today, because it gives us hope by letting us know that my present situation does not define my destiny. Yeah, yeah. And my condition is not my conclusion. That the state of my present being does not dictate the outcome of who God intends for me to be. That's why we come to church. We're not perfect because if we were perfect, you wouldn't be in church today. But we come with our mistakes, our issues, our hiccups, our drama, our, our, our hot mess sometimes. We just don't know where we're going. We just don't know how to think, how to act. 
We don't know what to do. We got relation problems. We done kicked the dog and kicked the cat and our kids are getting on our nerves and our job is this uh, un uncertain about what's happening with my financial life and we come to the house of God and we look great and we smile and we say praise the Lord and we make a cup of coffee looking like from everybody else's perspective that everything is all right when deep down on the inside you ain't seeing right you ain't thinking right. You ain't being right. You just ain't right. But thank God that when we're not right, he's right all the time. That he's able to touch us again and move on us and say that when we're not at the place where we're supposed to be in life, he says, no, 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 no. That I came that you may have life, but not just life. Have it more abundantly. And you've got to see as God intends for you to see. So all throughout the four Gospels, we see instances of Jesus doing divine acts of healing. Some of his miraculous accounts are recorded for us several times and told from different vantage points in different Gospels. Yet there are other miracles recorded for us only once, unique to the Gospel which contains it. And within the Gospel of Mark, we find one of those unique miracles recorded in detail. This account of Jesus healing the blind man outside the village of Bethsaida is not only rare because it only happened about once, but it is also the only progressive miracle that Jesus performed in the entire New Testament. And in our text today, we find some help for those who have lost their focus, really can't seem to feel God or see God in a spirit realm. And if we're honest this morning, this afternoon, uh, we can get to the point in our spiritual walk where we begin to lose focus. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul alluded to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. In other words, what Paul was saying was that we don't see things clearly. That we're squinting in the fog and, and we're peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright that we'll see it all then. And we'll see as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. That's God's plan for our life. That's the purpose of God, for us to get to a place where we see him as he sees us. Get to a place where he removes the scales from our eyes and, and no longer depression has us bound up. No longer anxiety and doubt and past mistakes and failures holds us captive, but that we see him as he sees us as born again believers as a chosen generation and a royal priesthood and a holy nation as a more than conqueror those that fall but they get back up again those that understand that I'm a more than conqueror and that nothing separates me from the love of God am I in first church this Sunday morning anybody understands that when we find ourselves at the place where we're not seeing right he's graceful and merciful enough to reach down and touch us again so that we can see as God intends for us to see 
before we leave this place I think the devil is going to have a very bad day because there's some people that came to the house of God that are in God's presence that came with mistakes and issues and baggage but you're leaving touched by the Lord because there's something about the presence of almighty God that when we find ourselves lost in him we find our true meaning of our own our own existence because of his touch and I believe it's God's aim for us that we set our eyes on some spiritual dynamics spiritual dynamics the word the word is crucial for living a Godward life and a, and has power and meaning on earth you see church we cannot even see what the word really is without God's supernatural help Therefore, we need to be a people of daily prayer and that God will do whatever he must do to get the wonders of the word into our hearts and into our lives. There's new opportunities for all of us. There, there are new anointings and, and, and blessings for all of us. And we are asking God to give us a clear vision into the life and work his work in our lives. And we are asking for fresh faith and renewed strength to follow his leading. And as powerful as your eyes are, they have one significant limitation. Every single eye in this room has a fatal flaw. Your eyes can only see the physical reality. Every eye in this room is limited to seeing physical things. We see cars, we see people, we see buildings, we see planes, and we see grass, and we see trees. We see all these things. These things are all physical, and they are uh, the only part of reality accessible to our eyes. Our eyes are completely useless when it comes to perceiving the spiritual reality. The spiritual side of life is just as real as the physical side. We just can't see it. So don't make the mistake of thinking that the spiritual is less real than the physical. It's not. It's just as real. Only we can't see it. But it is real as the eyes that are in our head this morning. And so I want to try to persuade you that as valuable as your physical eyesight is, you have a set of spiritual eyes that are even more valuable not only do you have spiritual eyes but you must use them if you want to live a life that finds its meaning and satisfaction in God and every human being has spiritual eyes because God gave it to you and we cannot see clearly unless the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to see so I, I, I stopped by first church before I jumped on a plane this I get on a plane this evening just to encourage you to see. I stop by to let the church know God wants you to see. I'm calling families to see today. I, I'm calling men and women and mothers and fathers and husbands and wives and, and young people. I'm calling bold student ministry to see. I'm calling single young adults to see every child of God. Tragically, the eyes of many in the church don't see very well. Often our spiritual vision is blinded by the glare of what our physical eyes see. And so I want to convince you that that it's more important to make sure that your spiritual eyes can see clearly than almost anything else that you do. 
Bible tells us in verse 22 that they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Now, understand that Bethsaida was a village located near the mouth of the upper Jordan River on the east bank of the Sea of Galilee. And as Jesus went through his upper Galilean ministry, he would have visited the village and would have been welcomed with excitement of the people as, as they longed to see Jesus perform miracles. The people, you know, may not have known or believed that Jesus was the Messiah, yet they would have heard of his great miracles and desired to witness them firsthand. So it is recorded in this account that some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. You know, the people could have been, you know, bringing the blind man to Jesus because he was part of their village and, and they cared for his well-being. On the other hand, they could have simply desired to see the miracles of Jesus for themselves. They were looking for anyone to be healed so that they can witness firsthand Christ's miraculous power. No matter their motive, they had confidence that Jesus would be able to do a great work for this man. It was friends. Somebody shout friends. It was friends who brought this man to Jesus. And I think that this is pretty cool to consider today because the best thing that we can do for our family and our friends is bring them to Jesus. I wish I had a witness here. Yeah, the, the best thing that we can do is bring them to Jesus. I think this is what evangelism is all about. I think this is what the church is all about, that sometimes we simply need to bring our family and bring our friends into relationship with Jesus. Yes, some may fall by the wayside. Yes, some may be hooked on drugs. And yes, they may be caught up with all, all kind of lifestyles and addictions. And, and some may be wounded, hurt, and, 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 and broken. And, and they may be doing things that are contrary to God's plan for their lives. And let's be a church that loves people one more time let's be a church that loves people let's be a church that won't you know judge and and won't make a conclusion in somebody's life such were some of you but now we're washed and now we're blood-bought and now we're sanctified and so when you see them hooked on drugs and when you see them singing sit, sitting on the bar drinking when you see them with all kind of addictions and lifestyles can I tell you we must look outside of what we see from the outside and begin to look on the inside and understand that there's an inner cry that's saying I wonder if I can find somebody that knows where I can find Jesus I think every time we see somebody that's lost and hopeless that's another opportunity for First Church to show love and to reach out to somebody and say come see a man that I know that if he can clean me he can clean you that if he can give me another chance he can give you another chance too yeah, we're, we're, we're not told, I feel like preaching today, we're, we're not told that this blind man believed anything or expected anything from the Lord. He just, you know, he just shows up on a scene. He, he, he seems to have come to the place where the master was simply because his friends brought him there. 
the power of friends. I wish I can talk about that. Yeah, the power of friends. What a, what a blessed man he, he was just to have some people like this in his life. He didn't know Christ, but his friends knew Christ. He didn't believe in Christ, but his friends believed in Christ. He would have never came to Christ unless his friends brought him to Christ. Can I boldly say to First Church that this is the season. I wish I had a witness here. This is the season of your life where you need to discern who your real friends are. Dare me to preach. Yeah. Yeah, real friends will introduce you to Christ. I wish I could have a witness. Real friends will push you to where Jesus is. Real friends will push you further to your goals and to your dreams. You need people in your life that will value who you are. Let me say it in English. You need people in your life that will value who you are. You need people in your life that's going to push you forward in your walk with Christ. You need real friends that will love you and support you and want the best for you. You don't need fake people in your life. Get them out of the way. Get them out of the way. Get them out of the way. And allow God to bring real people in your life that's going to push you to who you need to be in life. You know, many people are trained to put on a pleasant face and they're, they're trained to say the right things. And, but they'll, they'll leave you hanging as soon as the, rough, the going gets rough. And more often than that, if you're not a successful person, others want to connect with you for selfish reasons. Yeah, they, they, they want to be in your company to feel more accomplished themselves. They, 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 they want to network with you. They want to hook up with you. They want to connect with you and because they want to use you. And, that, and that's what makes things so difficult. It's because uh, human connection is a fundamental need. It's part of what makes life worth living and what makes your success fulfilling. It's being able to share it with other people. So it is important to discover who you can trust. It's important to discover whose opinions you should value and which individuals are only relating to you for their own advancement. Yeah, when you are surrounded by toxic people, they become jealous and insecure when you're doing well. They can't find room in their hearts to allow you to be happy and celebrate with you because your success reinforces their sense of failure. Oh, but you need real friends in your life that want you to shine bright like a diamond. You need real people in your life that will push you closer. I wish I had a church to where Jesus is. We find encouragement in this story for all those who are weak in their faith. And just like the blind man, there will be moments in our life when we will find ourselves spiritually hurting or in need of healing. You see, church, we may lack the faith to believe that Jesus can do anything for us. So the question is, why would he care for me anyway? Similar to the blind man, we often need the help of those around us to carry us to the Savior through faith and prayer. Because our faith is not always strong enough to get us to Christ on our own. But through the encouragement and faithful pursuit of others, we can find ourselves at the feet of Christ ready to receive his healing touch. 
Hear me, church. This is the one time in scripture, I don't want you to miss it, when Jesus performed the miracle in someone's life that was not complete. I know he's the God of miracles. I, I know he is, he, he is described as the he which begun a good work in you is able to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I know he's the author and the finisher. He's alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. But have you ever thought about why he did not complete the miracle? When you read the entire chapter, the story actually fits. The whole chapter is about people that see, but don't really see. It makes sense from the community because the community was struggling with seeing. They, they could not see because the Bible tells us in Mark 8, 11, then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven and testing him. So Bethsaida was not on Jesus' list of top 10 favorite towns to chill out. Look what Jesus said about Bethsaida. He said, woe unto you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed elsewhere, somewhere else inside, in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So we see the people, they look for a sign here, and Jesus had done many miracles here, and they were amazed by him, but they still missed who he really was. They saw, but they didn't really see. Yeah, the people of Bethsaida are blind to who he really is. And not only the community uh, is, is having a hard time seeing, but the disciples can't see clearly either. The ones who are closest to Jesus, who walks with him, still can't see him. Is it possible that we can be that close, but still can't see who he really is? Jesus says, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? The disciples are struggling. It's a struggle for them. And they're rolling with Jesus everywhere he goes. <laughs> Whom do men say that I am, Peter? Whom do you say that I am, Peter? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, he rebukes Peter saying, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Here's the problem. Everyone has a preconceived notion of the Christ, but he somehow refuses to fit into our molds. So in this story, we are talking about a man that went from being blind to seeing clearly, and the story shows us that sight does not always come instantly, that in truth, God reveals himself progressively. And I just wonder here if there's anybody in First Church that really want to see like you've never saw before. That, that I believe that the Lord wants to show us what needs to happen if we really want him to, if we really want to see him. And the Bible tells us that he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. You see, the first part of this verse can be viewed as an intimate act of love before the miracle happens because Jesus chose to do the healing not when everyone around, but instead he took the blind man alone with him outside of the busy village. Jesus did not have to do this, nor he did he have to touch him or even spit in his face. 
Jesus. Time out, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus chose to tend to this man in a very caring way, being divine in his nature, perhaps already knew the man lacked faith, but in compassion and in love, he still led him outside of the village. It's too, it, it's too much noise in the village. It's, it's too much distraction in the village. You're always on social media in the village. You're always working in the village. Some of you working overtime, double shifts, multiple jobs. It, you're in the village. It, it, you're always going and doing in the village. You don't have enough time to pray. Don't have enough time to read the word. Don't have enough time to come to church. Don't have enough time for Jesus. Uh, and I, I need to take you out of the village out of the noise there's too much voices around there's too much distractions around pulling on your time and your energy and your focus and and could it be possible because we know that his ways are not our ways and god can use even a global pandemic to shut down everything so that we can slow down a little bit more and have some time with jesus yeah, yeah, we, we work so much and we, we get mad because we got to get out of the bed to go to work. But now some of us are remote and we can stay home and we're virtual. Hallelujah. You see me waist up. Amen. I'm business, but waist below, I still got my PJs on. I, I don't got to worry about leaving the house, but we still find ourselves busy and distracted. And, and I believe that in this hour, God wants to Pull us away from the busy village. Pull us away from the noise and pull us away from what's sucking our time and sapping our energy. And I need to find alone time with God. We're not told if anyone followed or the disciples were near. But what is important to note is that Jesus intentionally sought to be alone with this man. And can I get a witness in this service that some of the greatest and most faith growing times in our life will happen when we are completely alone with God. I need some old school saints that know what, what the preacher is preaching about right now. There's, there's absolutely nothing like a prayer closet. There, there's absolutely nothing like a prayer room. Yeah. You know when God wakes you up late in the midnight hour and you feel the nudge to pray and everybody else is sleeping and snoring. But God says, no, I'm going to wake you up because there's something on the inside that's drawing you to prayer. That draws you to a basement or a, or a guest room or the living room there's absolutely nothing like having a one-on-one -on -one moment with God I I love the fact that we can worship together and praise together and give God glory together but can I tell you when the lights cameras and actions are done and when you gotta live your life there's a 24 7 devil that's trying to beat your brains out you're gonna need a one-on-one -on -one moment with Almighty God you may not be able to reach Pastor Nathan you may not be able to get to First Church but you better make sure you find a place in your life where you can call on the name of Jesus because he is our refuge and strength a very present help in the time of trouble 
Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes he's got to pull us out of the noise. We're too distracted as a people. We're too caught up with the busyness of life. God, help us to slow down just a little bit so that we can hear your voice, so that we can spend time with you. Yeah. The world that we live in is full of busyness and distraction. But when we are willing to be led by Jesus to the place of solitude, he will impress himself upon us in ways that he may not not been able to do within the confines of our busy life. And we see this in the story that Jesus led this man gently to where he would have not have gone on his own. And in the same way, church, we must be willing to follow Jesus to special places of solitude for our spiritual renewal. We cannot fight it. We cannot escape it. We cannot find excuses. Even today, he grips our soul and we must trust him to lead us to a place that is good for us, even though we may not understand its benefit at the time. In the second part of this small miracle act is important. He spat right in the man's eyes. Only Jesus can get away with that. (laughs) Jesus, you could have healed this man without spitting. I mean, we, we read many times of Jesus doing miracles without this act. I don't know if he wanted to just do something new. I don't know if this... He just got enrolled in a creative team. He just wanted to be creative and let's just do something different. Let's just be different. It, it was included as a, a seemingly necessary part of Jesus' calculated process. It was taking him out the village, spitting in his face and touching him. Jesus, can we omit that middle, that Is it multiple choice? Can we take that part out? Can you just take me out of the village and just lay your hands on me? Why you got to spit in my face? And at the end of verse 23, we we see the miracle take place. Jesus touched the man's eyes and he says, what do you see? And with this question, we see the unfolding of the only progressive miracle recorded for us in the entire Bible. Every other instance of Christ's miraculous power in Scripture, we see his efforts accomplish the miracle upon his first effort. However, Christ's touch in this instance did not fully heal the man of the uh, uh, healed the eyes of the blind man. The Bible tells us he looked up and he said, I saw men like trees walking. And all of Jesus' actions, especially surrounding the accounts of this miracle, were intentional and had purpose. So we cannot assume that Jesus messed up the first time when touching this man, that he was not able to heal him completely. Jesus doesn't make mistakes. Yet this is not a my bad on Jesus. No, Jesus was not at fault for for not completing the miracle with one touch. Rather, there was a need for Jesus to do this miracle. This is going to bless somebody. Partially with the first touch and then completely with the second touch. 
Somebody shout second touch, second, the second touch, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we just don't get it all right, Brother Brooks, in the first service. Sometimes we got to come again to the second service. So we just don't get it right in one prayer meeting and in one worship service. No, we keep coming. We keep worshiping. We keep praising, clapping and lifting our voice and praying and dancing. We keep coming to church. We keep coming into his presence because we understand that he's still working on me. Don't you judge me. Don't you roll your eyes and suck your teeth at me. He's still working on me. I may not be where I need to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. He's progressively impressing himself on me. That's the power of the second touch. That's why we keep on coming back to church. That's why we don't sit down like Alice in Wonderland in the house of God. We don't fold our hands and cross our legs acting like God owes us something. You don't owe me anything. I owe you my life. I owe you everything because had it not been for the touch, God on my life. I need somebody to shout, he's touching me. Oh, I feel like preaching like I'm back home. He, he touched me and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I can't explain it, but he touched me. I said he touched me and he made me whole. If you don't know what the touch of God is, you got my permission to be seated. But I need to find some radical worshipers in the second service on this Sunday that understands he did not leave me how I was, but he touched me again. When I wasn't seeing right, he touched me again. When I wasn't living right, he touched me again. When I wasn't thinking right, he touched me again somebody shout again somebody say do it again Lord lay your hands on me again Lord touch my marriage again Lord touch my kids again Lord touch my business again Lord touch my mind I felt like losing it many times thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown thought I was going to give somebody a piece of my mind but when I think of the goodness of Jesus when I think of his touch on my life, he touched me. You got every right to shout, to dance, to run the aisles and make a joyful noise. If you know that God touched you, not just a second time, but he touched you again and again and again. And when you messed up, he touched you again. And when you sinned, he touched you again. And when you made a bad mistake, he still, he keeps on touching me again and again. The 
reason for the progression was to grow the faith. The reason for the progression was to grow the faith of the one being healed. Here again, we see an instance of Jesus' compassion as he adapted his miraculous work to grow the man in his belief as the miracle was progressively accomplished. So this pattern allowed the man to accept the fact that he was being cared for by someone who knew him intimately and grew his faith patiently. Jesus was not just a miracle worker here. He was a savior and a Lord who was restoring not only his sight, but his spiritual sight to touch his heart. He's working on me. Jesus helped him step across the line from unbelief to belief. Pastor Omar, what is the spiritual significance of the blindness? I'll tell you that this healing by stages, hallelujah, it pictures the maturing process of every child of God's spiritual understanding. It shows the conversion process that each Christian experience ought to go through. That Christ asked the blind man if you saw anything and he looks up indicating a natural first inclination toward the source of light to discern images. But the man's reply was, I see men like trees walking, reveals that he did not, he was not born blind. And so Jesus says, you still ain't seeing right. Men like trees walking, you ain't seeing clearly. Something wrong with you. He could not precisely discern the shape and magnitude of, uh, of the objects that he recognized. So Christ's method of healing here shows, watch it now, that our spiritual alignment is a continuous process. That at first, I wish I had a witness, we cannot see God's truth clearly. And most of our spiritual blindness remains. But as our faith grows, and as our obedience grows, and our development grows, Jesus, who is the author, will become the somebody knows the Bible here, the finisher of our faith. It increases the clarity of our spiritual vision through the power of God's spirit. But this is the verse that gets me happy and I'm getting ready to land the plane because I got to jump on one later on. And this is the verse that the Lord wants me to speak into your spirit that will set the stage for your life in this season. Verse 25, here it is, don't miss it. Then he put his hands on his eyes again. I wish I had a praiser. I, I wish I had a praise. I, I wish I had somebody that understood that, that, yeah, that when I'm not seeing right, he, he puts his hands on me again. And this time his eyes were opened, the Bible says, and he was restored and saw everyone. I can see clearly now. I, I, I can see clearly now. I, I can see clearly now. This is the season. Hear me, church, where God is going to touch you again. And you're going to see yourself like you've never seen yourself before. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. You haven't seen anything yet. You're getting ready to step into your new season. You're going to be the best version of yourself. 
I wish I had a you're gonna be the best version of yourself you're gonna be the best mother you've been the best father the best husband the best wife you're gonna be the why because when I didn't see right I had a God that touched me again and he caused me to see as he intended for me to see I don't know what you've gone through praise team get up here I'm done I don't know what you've gone through what you're going through right now but let me remind you he's a God that turns things around he turns opposition into opportunities he turns problems into possibilities he turns pain into power he turns sorrow into success he turns tears into triumph he turns grief into grace is anybody getting the picture he turns stress into strength Come on, I can see clearly now My pain is gone I can see clearly now My hurts are gone My disappointments are gone He touched me And somebody needs to rise on their feet And lift their hands As I get ready to close Because you understand That the word of the Lord is speaking to your heart right now And there's somebody that says I don't feel like I'm the best best version of myself I don't feel like I'm being valued and loved and appreciated I don't feel like I need to be who I am in God but you're in the house of God today and you're probably watching on social media land right now I dare you to lift your hands for the next few moments as the praise team comes because something supernatural is getting ready to take place in your life and you're going to walk out of here saying he touched me again touch me God until I think clearly touch me again God until I live right touch me again until I talk clearly touch me again until I see clearly touch me touch me again touch me somebody somebody you're here and you're not seen right if your life is wrapped up with depression you ain't seen right your, your life is wrapped up with suicidal tendencies defeat anger bitterness doubt anxiety you are not seen right He laid his hands on his eyes again and his eyes was restored and saw life as he was supposed to who in this church is this word for that you're not seeing the way you're supposed to be seeing. But I've got good news for you. You're only one touch away. You're, you're only one touch away. All you got to do is be honest. Honest enough to say, I'm not the best mom, I'm not the best husband. Honest enough to say, I'm not the best student not the best co-worker honest enough to say I see men like trees walking 
Jesus is loving enough to not judge you, not look down on you, not say what's wrong with you. You're a child of God, get up. No, he knows we got flaws. He knows our righteousness are as filthy rags. He knows there's an Adamic nature within us to sin and come short of the glory of God. And so he loves us unconditionally to always want to touch us again. I'm not concerned about your past. That's why the rearview mirror is smaller. I'm concerned about what you're seeing in front of you. The Holy Ghost is here. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift your hands. I feel the power of God here in this service. I feel like healing is getting ready to take place in the next few moments. I feel like restoration is for somebody today. This altar is open for family members and loved ones who wants to be honest enough and real enough to say, you're not in a good place right now in life. You're not thinking the way you're supposed to be thinking, feeling, being yourself. You're just, you ain't seen right. You, you just, you're not right. You're not okay. Things are not okay with me right now. It's okay. You can be honest. You can be real. Nobody's going to look at you. Nobody's going to judge you. Nothing to be ashamed about. Nothing to be embarrassed about. You're just one step away from God touching you again. The second dose will bring the healing. Glory to God. The second dose. Some of you, it's the third, the fourth. If it's me, I've lost numbers. I've lost count because he keeps on touching me. <laughs> he keeps on touching me. Come on, if your business is not right, I need you to step out of your seat right now. Your marriage is not right, you need to come to the altar with your spouse right now. Your kids are giving you a hard time. Family, it's not right. You need to be honest enough to say, God, you, you're going to have to touch me. You can't go on Google and try to find a remedy. No, you, you stop watching a talk show. Stop, stop getting, uh, uh, stop looking for a life coach and an inspirational speaker and a voice. No, what you need is Jesus Christ to invade your life one more time by a supernatural touch that's going to cause you to see as he desires for you to see. Come on, hands raised all over this house. Begin to pray from the front to the back, the left to right. Every family member, come on. Begin to raise your voice. Begin to pray and say, God, touch me again. Touch me. Touch me. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.